Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Most of you have already met Pastor Antoine. Who, who's, who here's met Pastor Antoine Ashley? Yeah. You, you guys were here. Uh, many of you were here when he was with us back in August. And this time he came and he didn't just bring Gavin. He brought Gavin and Kobe and Khalil and the lovely Andrea. Why are y'all looking at me like that? <laughs> and... I'm just so excited for what God's going to speak through him today. And what, actually, why don't you guys just stand up? Just don't, don't come up here yet, but just stand up. This is Antoine, and this is Andrea. Stand up. All right. Let's give them a big, big Atlanta welcome. And they brought some special folks with them, too. Would you guys stand up, too? Yeah. Robert and Brittany. They're actually, they're children's pastors, all right? How cool is it that the pastors and the kids' pastors got to, like, go on vacation? They just came from the Ark Encounter and decided that they absolutely had to pass through Atlanta and be at Encounter Church, all right? Thank you guys so much for being here. Pastor Antoine, come on up. Let's give him a big welcome. How you guys doing at Encounter? Alrighty, um, before I get started, I just want to bring up some special people just to greet you and just say something to you. I want you to meet my beautiful wife, Andrea, as you come up real quick. Good morning. Thank you all for having us this morning. We are so happy to be here at Encounter Church. Um, we honor all of the fathers who are here, those who are not present, those who are no longer with us. We bless you. We honor you. And we thank you for being encouraging and inviting to our family. I also want to um, just have Robert and Brittany come up. I want them just to greet you as well. These are our children's pastors, and we love them so much. Uh, we want to thank you for having us. This is awesome. Um, quick minute, I'm just going to take. Um, I saw some shirts in here. I noticed you guys like the Atlanta Braves. Yes. And there's some great people that came out of a local town that we are baseball coaches in this town of Pearson. And as we teach these kids baseball, we also try to teach them about Jesus a little bit, you know, as we can and invite them to some things we do at the church. And it just so happens, one of those people that came out of the town of Pearson, his name's Chipper Jones. So as we talk to these kids, it's like, all right, we might raise up the next Chipper Jones that people love, but we might raise up the next father that loves Jesus, which is probably a little more important. So um, stepping into those callings, we just got nominated to be coaches again. So... <laughs> um, not so much to make the next chipper, but to make disciples. So we just thank you all for having us um, step into whatever calling you have, because God blesses it. Nah, that's it. I just thank you for having us. Uh, thank you for welcoming us, and I just love your um, 
the atmosphere here and the excitement and everyone's happy and nice and joyful and um, I've actually never been to another church. Lighthouse and Arise is the only church I've ever been to. So thank you for being my second experience. <laughs> um, and I love your, um, your vision here for the church and, and for the kids also. That's, that's pretty cool how it kind of models the vision that we have for our kids at our church. To have them involved and in here with us and, and praying and worshiping and doing things as a, in unity. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I just had to invite my tribe up to, you know, just share a few things with you guys. And um, also, Timothy says hello. I know he came last year, and uh, he's booed up at this time. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's probably going to get me for that, because I'm sure he's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> um, anyway, guys, let's get into a word, I'm, um, man, I'm, I'm thrilled, I just want to just share just one minute, I've had like three messages that have been burning in my heart over the past, I want to say a few months, and, and they are outside of what I've been speaking at my church, and you, you, you if you're a preacher, or you speak, or you, you like things like that, Sometimes you just have some things in your pocket, some messages in your pocket that are just brewing, and you're like, okay, so if I get an opportunity to share, I'm going to share one of these. And um, I was, I, I, you know, I was in praying, I didn't know which one I was going to share. I had a message I was going to share about faith. You know, sometimes we believe God for big things, but Hebrews 11 talks about a faith that doesn't shrink back. And uh, Hebrews 10 talks about a faith that doesn't shrink back. And I was going to talk about faith that doesn't shrink back. Um, then I had another message where I was going to talk about where Jesus turned the water into wine. And uh, I got this cool thing brewing in my heart that, you know, he saved the best wine at the last minute. And I was going to share some things. I got it. It's, it's real good. It's, it's real good. But, <laughs> but um, this morning, I, I'm like, I, this is the one where I wanted to land. And this is the one I feel that God is really more so um, have me speaking to you guys. I want you to turn to Numbers chapter 22. And I'm actually going to speak to you a powerful message. I don't know if, there's a me if this goes with Father's Day. Um, but I do know that we all can receive from it. And um, this is going to be good. This is uh, Numbers 22 verses 1 through 6. It says, Then the people of Israel set out and camped in the plains of Moab beyond the Jordan at Jericho. And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. Uh-oh, yeah, we got a big uh-oh coming, right? Look at the next verse. And Moab was in great dread of the people because they were many. Moab was overcome with fear of the people of Israel. And Moab said to the elders of Midian, this horde will, not lick up, will now lick up all that is around us. As the ox licks up the grass of the field, so Balak, the son of Zippor, who was the king of Moab at that time, sent messengers to Balaam, 
the son of Beor at Pethor. Now, if you're, if you're not reading carefully, you would get these two mixed up, Balaam and Balak and ba Balak and Balaam. And so you got to read very carefully. But So Balak sent for Balaam, all right, which is near the river in the land of the people Am Ammal, to call him saying, behold, a people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the earth and they are dwelling opposite of me. Come now, curse this people for me since they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them from the land for I know that he whom you bless is blessed and he whom you curse is cursed. Now this is a very powerful, powerful message that I want to share with you and I want you to just say this to the person next to you. Say, I am already blessed. Come on, you got you to you sound real prophetic. Look at the other person on your other side and say, look, I'm already blessed. I'm already blessed. Yes, yes, yes. Now, <laughs> I love the fact that God has blessed these people. But you got to understand this king, Balak, is fearful of a nation of people. They didn't do anything to him. And he's so fearful that he's going to call and summon this um, wicked prophet. Somebody say wicked prophet. Balaam is a wicked prophet, although he's not a false prophet. You can, you know, like he's wicked, but he can accurately hear from God. You know, and so he, he calls this prophet to curse these people. And I want you to kind of just do me a favor. Let's imagine ourselves. We're in the encounter plane. We're in a 727, you know, and we're flying up about 30,000 feet in the air. And, and Balak and Balaam is this high. And, they're, and the people of God are down on the bottom. I'm just kind of giving an exaggerated example. But Balaam and Balak are in the heavenlies on these high mountains and the people of Israel is down on the bottom and there is a conversation going on about these people and they have no idea what's being talked about concerning them. They're walking through a land and they're just trying to go on to their destiny. They ain't bother nobody. They're just trying to get to where God wants them to go. But above them, they entered into a certain land and above them is a conversation about their destiny and a prophet a man has summoned a prophet to curse a people. What do you do when people have things that are plotted against you and you have no idea that they're even having this conversation? I, I, I want you to think of this. Remember, Job was minding his business and the devil was in heaven plotting against him. Remember, Simon Peter was minding his business and the devil came to Jesus and asked if he could sift, um, um, sift Peter as wheat. And notice this, none of them knew it was happening except those who were in the heavenlies. But here's what I want you to know. As much as what the devil is plotting, somebody look at your name and say, I'm already blessed. Oh, this is going to be good. Now, let me give you this backdrop. So Israel, y'all know the story of Israel real quick. Israel, they are God's chosen people. Um, they're, they're brought out of Egypt and, and they, they come out of Egypt and God is trying to do everything he can to get Israel, who's just got out of Egypt, to get them into the promised land. And he's bringing them, he's, 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 he's delivered them 
out of one place, but now they have to be delivered here so that they can, they can capture the next place. He delivered them physically, and now he's trying to deliver them mentally and, and emotionally and spiritually so they can go into the next place. But they end up forfeiting their own right to get in because they kept doubting God. They kept testing God. And God says, I tell y'all what, y'all can't go in, but I'm going to wait 40 years and take your children in. I don't want to be the generation that's missing what God has. I want to be a people of faith. I want to capture everything that God has for me. So, 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 they, so they miss it, and God had them wander in the, in the wilderness for 40 years. It only was going to take them a couple weeks to get to where they went. But because they kept testing God, God says, okay, I'm tired of this. I'm going to let y'all die off. I'll use your children. So this is about 38 years after that has happened and God is now ready to take the kids. They don't grew up. He's ready to take them into the promised land. So they are moving through the wilderness. And as they're going through the wilderness, they are kind of like walking through certain people's territories. And what Israel would do is they would send out a delegate to go to the king of that territory and say, may we pass through this land. We won't eat your stuff. We won't drink out of your wells. You know, we're already prosperous. We'll stay on our side. We'll stay on the road. We won't do anything. We don't want any beef with you, right? And so as they went through, the first people that they met were the Edomites. Somebody say Edomites. Edomites were the descendants of Esau, which is the brother of Jacob. And so they went through the Edomites' territory, and they're like, hey, we're not going to touch anything, and, and, and we're not going to do anything wrong. We just, want, we just want to pass through. How many of you know in this life, we are just passing through? Don't get stuck in the world. Don't get stuck on this earth. We're just passing through. I'm telling you guys, I am obsessed with the idea of heaven. Many times we think of like doing ministry down here, and I love it. Don't get me wrong. I'll, I'll, I'll lay hands. I'll speak in tongues. I'll worship. I'll do all that. I love that. But heaven has my attention because we're just passing through this place. And so as they're passing through, they get to the Edomites, and, and they're like, no, y'all can't come through. And they're like, we're not going to do anything. No, you can't come through because they hate their brother Israel. So, so, so they said, okay, fine. So they just, they just, kept, they just kept going. After the Edomites, they came up to the Canaanites, and the Canaanites didn't just say no, they actually attacked Israel. And when they attacked Israel, God stood up with Israel and kicked their butts, basically. After the Canaanites, then we have the Moabites. They attacked Israel the same, and they were defeated. Then after the Moabites, we have the um, Ammonites. They try to stop them and and simply be rude to Israel as they were traveling. And, you know, each, each time they went through a different territory on their way to where they're going, a nation refused them, and God stood up for them and gave them victory over these nations. They were not trying to be, like, rude. They were like, hey, we're gonna, we already got money. We already got food. We're already, we're already blessed. We're already blessed, and we're not trying to take any of your stuff. We just, we just need to get to where we're going. We, there's a destiny that God has us on, and we're just trying to get to that, to that, to that location. And so, so you don't, we, we don't want anything, but however, the moment you try to attack us, we do got a trump card. We do got God on our side. And so, so, so hey, like, like, leave us alone. We're just trying to get through here. But if you want, if you want, if you want that smoke, we got God. You know? <laughs> So, so, you know, so they're, they're, they're going through and throughout this whole ordeal, Israel is asked 
they asked each king, we, we just want to get through. They end up getting attacked, and Israel defeats these nations. Now, they're on their way to the place where Balak is, and Balak hears about this people. And he's like, these people who are about to come, they are too mighty, and we need to destroy these people. So, so notice this, everybody else attacked him physically, fighting, war, but Balak was smart. Balak said, I'm not going to try them in the physical. Let me try them in the spiritual. Let me call a prophet to come and pronounce a curse over these people. Man, that's crazy. Do you know that the enemy does not like us? In fact, we can even take it to an extreme. He hates us. And the fact that he hates us has nothing to do with us. It has to do with us being blessed by God. Blessings don't always just bring favor to your life. It also brings enemies. And you have to be, you have to be courageous enough to be so blessed that you understand that an enemy will come just because you're blessed. Enemies lurk around to try to take you out of what God has favored you into. Okay, so, so somebody, one more time, somebody say, I'm already blessed. Okay, so the king Balak is terrified of these guys. And here's the problem. The problem is Israel never even said anything to them. Israel never wanted to harm them. So, so this king has this irrational fear. He has this, and he's creating all these assumptions that these people are going to do something to me. And if he, would, if he really would have just asked the stories, the other nations would have told them, look, man, they said they weren't going to do anything to us, but we just, we just was rude to those people. Don't be rude to those guys because they, they do have a God that, that will kind of get you. So let me, let me give you a couple thoughts real quick. The devil carries an ignorance about himself that's sort of chaotic and unstable. The, the enemy is chaotic. He, he thinks things about you that's not even necessarily true. You know, Balak is about to try to get these people cursed about something that's not even true. He's just kind of fabricated this story in his mind to say, if I don't harm these people, they're going to harm us. And the truth is, they ain't stutting him. They're just trying to get to the promised land. Number two, here's another thought. Due to this irrational fear, you can see a storm brewing in this king that leads us to a spiritual truth. Satan is afraid of the people of God because he sees the favor of God on your life. He was afraid of a person like Job. I mean, out of all people, why attack Job? Because favor was on his life. And what did that favor do? It caused other people to believe in God. I, I, I've, I've learned this. I'm not a rich guy. I would love to be rich. <laughs> I'm not a rich guy. I'm not, I'm not like balling crazy wealthy, but I'll tell you this. The favor of God, it does draw attention to people to say, who is this God that you serve? And so I'm not saying that all of us need all of that. God has promised every person to be billion and millionaires. But I am saying this. He does want you to be blessed and he wants you to be blessed because if you are blessed, you have enough for yourself and you have enough for others. And God wants you to be blessed. Would y'all just lift your hands real quick? Father, I just speak blessings over this people, God. And I speak blessings that they have more than enough. And they also have enough for others who are in need. That they will be a blessing, not just be blessed, but they will be a blessing. If you agree with that, shout amen. Amen. amen.
Amen. Now, let me also give you this last thought. Balak, even though he's irrational, he's intelligent. He's intelligent because he knows that he has to fight them in the spirit. He can't beat them in the physical because he saw all of his other neighboring kings get smashed. So he's like, I can't fight them in the physical, so I got to fight them in the spirit. So he, he brings about warfare on these people. And, and I have to tell you this. Israel has no idea that any of this, this whole story, they don't, they don't even know about the story. They're just walking through and in the heavenlies, there's a conversation being spoken about them to try to get them to be cursed. And here's what Balak knew about this prophet. Whoever that prophet blesses, those people get blessed. And whoever that prophet curses, those people get cursed. Let me just give you a quick definition of blessing and curse. When you are blessed, everything about you prospers. Health, wealth, your soul, your sp everything about you prospers. And when God blessed Adam and Eve, everything about them was prosperous. Now, I have learned that the term rich just means having more than enough, which is a relative term. Because more than enough for somebody else might be, you know, I, I need a little bit more for me to have more than enough versus someone else. I got five kids, Lord, I need a, I need, I got three kids, there's five of us, I need a little bit more than, you know, such and such over here, you know. Um, but, but so the blessing, when God blesses you, you begin to increase in every facet of your life. But when something is cursed, everything decreases. When Eden was a perfect place and the curse fell upon Eden, it started raining. It never rained before. Animals that were vegetarians began to eat meat. That never happened before. You can check it in Genesis chapter 1. You, do, do you understand what I'm saying? Everything about what Adam and Eve had, it diminished. And so they began to age. That life was diminishing. They begin to, they begin to, you know, when he worked, he had to sweat and he, he sweat to work and, you know, and the ground was cursing and we had seed harvest and time and you didn't have all that when it was a, when it was perfect, you didn't have time. It was just harvest, eat the apple, harvest. I can't wait till that happened again. <laughs> now they have no idea that this people is walking through the land of Moab. They're unaware that this king is plotting their fate in the heavenlies. And here's what I love. Without lifting a finger, they win the battle. Israel wins the battle, and they didn't even know they were in it. And I want to prophesy this to you. There is a battle that, that is, that's, been, that's been spoken over many of your life, and you're going to win. Somebody shout, I'm already blessed. The devil can throw his best punch, but I'm already I'm already blessed. Come on, it's too early for me to be preaching. I'm just, you know, I get this. All right, now, so so Balak sees Israel and he summons Balaam. Now, now let me say this much: Balak summons a wicked prophet, and and this is how you know he's wicked because the Bible says that he gave him a divination fee. Basically, he was paying the prophet to prophesy. Don't pay somebody to give you a prophecy. Amen. Balak, now, Balak also spends tons of money to get this prophet to curse them. They, they met a, a total of three times, and in the three times, he had, to, uh, he had to set up seven altars. 
he had to put seven rams on the altar. And every time he came to Balak, he had to get those seven rams, those seven altars, and also a divination fee. So Balak was get, Balaam was getting paid to prophesy this curse. And this, this, this king understood that if I'm going to get God to move, there is a sacrifice from me that I have to actually get this thing accomplished. Now, that's bad. But in the, neg uh, in the, in the positive, we need to understand that when God moves, it's sacrifice from us. Worship is a sacrifice. Coming to church, it's a sacrifice. If the, if the enemy is going to put all this into seeing God move on his behalf, how much should we put into seeing God move on our behalf? So we can't see, see Balak, even though he's wicked, he understands spiritual principles. And we who are righteous need to understand spiritual principles. We need to understand we have to hear the voice of God. And, they, and, they, and you'll see, but they offered so many sacrifices to get God to move. Now, we don't have to offer sacrifices. However, we do need to know how to get a hold of God. We do need to know how, and this is why I love y'all have prayer before service. I know y'all have prayer on Wednesdays. I love how this is a people who knows how to get before God and allow the presence of God to fall because this is what people need. When they come to encounter church, the presence of God descends here so that blessing could come upon people. That people come here one way and they leave another way. They come here broken, they leave whole. They come here sick, they leave healthy. They come here depressed, they leave with joy come on do you understand what I'm saying we have to understand those principles so this king is spending great amounts of money to curse Israel because he's desperate to see the people of God fail the enemy is desperate to see the church fall and fail listen this king wasn't buying weapons this king wasn't spending money on on buying a fortress he was spending money to get a prophetic word released on the people. Do you know that Paul says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God. This wicked king understood that principle. We in today's world and today's church, we have to understand the weapons of our warfare are mighty in God. So, this is what Satan wants to do with you in the spirit. He sees you and I as mighty Israel, having uh, favor with God. And he is doing everything he can. He's paying for your demise. The enemy is paying for your demise. You know how he does that? So here's some things that kind of spoke into my heart this morning as I was thinking about this. But the enemy has paid, he's, he has provided his own singers to bring, our, to bring demise to us. He's, he, he's paying for all kind of entertainment to destroy the people of God. He's paying for all kind of false prophets to destroy us. And he got all kind of YouTube prophets. That you watch some of them, you will, leave, you will leave, end up confused. Like, I don't know, should I go this way or that way? And the enemy is paying a lot of money. He's hiring. He's doing a lot of things in the earth to destroy the people of God. But we're already blessed and that's not going to happen with us. Balaam consents, and so, so he, he does all this. He basically sends some people, hey, Balaam, will you come and curse these people? And Balaam said, listen, I, I, I can only tell you whatever God tells me. And so, um, and so God told him, don't go. So he said, hey, I can't go. So, so, so the people, now, now don't get me wrong, because if, if I, man, if I had... 
if I had the ability to kind of like do two, I'll do one sermon on this side of the coin for Balak, but then on the other sermon I'll do on the other side of the coin for Balaam. Because don't, when you're reading this story, don't get it twisted. Balaam is not obedient to God. God tells him not to go. So, so the people went home. They tell the king he, he's not coming. The king sent more honorable people and more money to him. And then he says, well, let me go pray to see what God, 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 want, God wants to happen. Well, God already told you not to go. And God didn't change his mind. But when money kind of got into the, into the mix, now he's like, well, let me just kind of see. And then all of a sudden, he ends up going with him. And y'all know the story. He gets on his donkey. There's an angel that gets in the role, and the angel draws his sword in front of the donkey and Balaam. And Balaam, um, Balaam's donkey stopped moving. So Balaam's like, hey, man, keep going. So the donkey keeps going, and then the angel got closer to the donkey, and then the donkey, you know, he, he went on side of the road. And Balaam now he's like yelling at his donkey and the donkey gets going and the angel gets closer. So the, the donkey just lays down. So Balaam at this point is, you know, he's, he's kicking the donkey and here's the, <laughs> I love the Bible because the donkey is like, Hey bro, <laughs> why are you treating me this way? <laughs> and Balaam is like, because you're not listening to me. Balaam doesn't understand that he's talking to a donkey right now. <laughs> and they're having this, 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 and the donkey's like, have I ever treated you this way? And he was like, well, no, you haven't. And then the Bible says that God opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord. The angel was there because he was telling Balaam, basically, you heard God the first time and you shouldn't have came the first time. But since you decided to come this time, hey, when you go with these people, only say what I'm going to tell you to say. Only, only say what God says. So he goes and here's the first the first attempt. So Balak has the consent from Balaam to curse these people. And he's going to give three attempts. And I want to talk about those three attempts. Okay. First attempt, Balaam is restrained from cursing Israel. Look at this. And Balaam, uh, this is uh, Numbers chapter 23, verse 7 through 10. And Balaam took up his discourse and said, from Aram, Balak has brought me the king of Moab from the eastern mountains. Come, curse Jacob for me and come denounce Israel. Jacob and Israel are the same people. Can, uh, how can I curse whom God has not cursed? And how can I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? From the top of the crags I see him. From the hills I behold him. Behold a people dwelling alone and not counting itself among the nations. In other words, we're separate from every other nation. We aren't like anybody else. And so, so, so watch this. He says, I can't curse these people because God hasn't. So who can count the dust of Jacob or the number, the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the, die, the death of the upright and let my end be like this. Listen. Balak gets angry because he's like, yo, don't be blessing him. I told you to curse them. Remember, I paid you. <clears throat> we are not for hire in the things of God. He says, I paid you and you didn't curse these people. And he says, I can't curse them. <laughs> because who, how can I curse someone that God has not cursed? 
And how can I denounce someone that God has not denounced? And again, I want you to remember this story. They're in the heavenlies and Israel is down there. They're just walking. Israel has no idea that this conversation is going. And you have no idea the conversations that are going on about you. But I want you to know God got your back. The devil is trying to speak words over you. He's, he's been speaking words over you before you were born, before you came out of the womb. But God has your back. You need to know that if God is for me, who can be against me? I'm already blessed. Attempt number two. This time, since... Balak could not get Balaam to curse him. He's like, okay, I'm going to give you some money. I'm going to pay you a, divin a diviner's fee. I'm going to set up seven more altars with seven more bulls. And we're going to go to a, another mountain. So he went to this first mountain, which is Baal Peor. Now he's going to go to the second mountain, which is in Pisgah. Okay? They're going to go to another mountain. And now they're going to try it all over again. So they do it all. Look at, look at Numbers Y'all getting some out of this? Yeah. Look at Numbers 23, verse 18. And Balaam took up his discourse and said, Rise, Balak, and hear. Give ear to me, O son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. He has said it, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? Behold, I received a command to bless and he has blessed. I cannot revoke it. Has he not beheld mis uh, he, uh, he has not beheld misfortune in Jacob, nor has, his, nor has he seen trouble in Israel. In other words, Jacob is doing the right things. These people are walking right before God, and God has blessed them. Look at the next verse. The Lord their God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. God brings them out of Egypt, listen to this, and is for them like the horns of a wild ox. Whenever you hear horns in the Bible, there were horns on the altar. Uh, whenever you hear horns, it is a sign of strength. And so what he was saying is God is their strength. Now listen, the first one, Balaam was restrained from cursing them. He couldn't curse them. I can't curse them because God hadn't cursed them. Because I can only tell you what God says. The second time, Balak, the king, gets rebuked. Hey, Balak, you asked me to do this a second time, and guess what? God is not a God that he should lie, nor is he a God that changes his mind. If he said they're blessed today, they're blessed tomorrow. And what does that mean for you? When God said he blessed you, he blessed you. The next day, you're blessed. The next week, you're blessed. He's not going to change his mind. God doesn't change his mind about you. When he said, I love you, that's a love that was eternally in your past and eternally in your future. It can't change. God is not a God that changes his mind. Now, you might change your mind, but it's not going to change God's mind. Israel loved God until they, until they rebelled against God. But God says, I have a covenant with you. It's an everlasting love. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. When God sets his mind on you, it ain't going to change. That means you are blessed when you're acting right and you are blessed when you're acting wrong. When God says, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to bless you. Now, that doesn't give us license to do wrong, 
But uh, what I'm saying is God's heart towards you isn't going to change. Let me tell you what this does for me. When I mess up, I can go back to God saying, I thank you that you found me and you blessed me. And you didn't change your mind about me. God ain't going to change his mind about you. When I, when I feel like I'm not all that, I can go back and say, I'm already blessed. When I look at somebody else and they have something that I don't have, I can say, I am already blessed. I don't got to covet what they have because I am already blessed. I don't have to feel like I'm less than them because I am. I don't feel like I have to have the degree that they have because I am. I don't feel like I need the ministry that they have because I am already blessed. What God has for me is for me. Look at, look at, um, look at verse, let's look at verse um, 20. I think we have Numbers chapter 23, verse 20. I actually go, um, yeah, yeah, here we go. For there is no enchantment against Jacob and no divination against Jacob. In other words, the people who have tried to plot against them, it will never work. Now it shall be said of Jacob and Israel, what, what has God wrought? Or what has God done? Behold a people. As a lioness, it rises up, and as a lion, it lifts itself. These people are fierce. These are some powerful people. Man, you are powerful in God. I want you to see how you look in the spirit to God. When the enemy is above you having a conversation about you, God is like, they're a lion. Man, you are mighty in God. Let's look at, let's look at attempt. Number three, let me, let me just say a couple things real quick. Balaam tells the king, I cannot curse his people. In fact... Um, God has told me to bless them. They are without trouble. They are upright. The Lord is with them. There's no idolatry among them. And Balaam gets upset again. And he says, well, look, if you're not going to curse them, just don't bless them. <laughs> it's like, it's like, let's keep them in the neutral. They're not, they're not cursed, but definitely don't bless them. And can I say there are people who haven't experienced the blessings of God. They're not cursed, but they haven't come into that, that, that place where the blessings flow. And I want to release that over you to this morning. I just want to pray over you, Father. I just release the blessings that you have in store for your people, God. I just, I just, it's like a, like a, a, a bowl over your head that's been tilting and it's been tilting. Father, I pray that you just release the, let it drop on all God, that the blessings will begin to flow out of nowhere, favor out of nowhere, victories out of nowhere, just people blessing them out of nowhere. People saying, Hey, you know, they have, they have, uh, uh, um, job, um, applications and their name just being picked out out of all when they're going to school, their name being picked out out of all I just pray for blessing and for favor to be released in Jesus name in Jesus name I'm just kind of flowing in this a little bit it's all right this is what Satan wants for you if he can't get God to curse you he's okay with that as long as God don't bless you if you're not going to cause what they have to shrivel up okay that's fine just don't cause what they have to bloom just let them stay ordinary and regular. Just, just, just let them stay, you know, like the common person. Don't put any anointing on them. 
Because if the anointing gets on, then now they're, they're in this dimension now. And God wants you to come in this dimension. You are not supposed to be ordinary. You're definitely not supposed to be cursed. But you're not supposed to be ordinary. You are peculiar in God. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood to show forth the glory of God. Oh, come on, somebody. You are blessed. Somebody say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Hallelujah. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Look at attempt number three. Instead of not cursing Israel and then rebuking Balak, now Balaam releases blessing. And you know what I found? I just thought this was so awesome. They went from Baal Peor, then they traveled north to Mount Pisgah. Baal Peor, he couldn't curse. He was restrained from cursing. Mount Pisgah, he actually um, goes into rebuking Balak. They travel north again, and they get to the next mountain, and I forget the name because it's on my notes, but I'll, I'll say it in a second. This is an awkward moment for me because I forgot. All right. <laughs> but they get to the next mountain, but here, here, here's what I like. Curse them. I can't curse them. Curse them. The Lord rebukes you. Curse them. These people are now blessed. It seems like the more northern they go, the more clear the prophecy becomes. It seems like the higher they go, the more clearer the word becomes about their life. It seems the closer they get to God, the further they get away from the voice of the devil. <laughs> it seems like the, the further they journey away from what the enemy first said, the closer they get to what actually God wanted to do in the first place. It actually says this. They started thinking that they could curse them, but they ended realizing that they're already blessed. They're already blessed. And you can't bless what God cursed. It's like putting oil on a duck. You know, like, like the, it, just, it just rolls off. He's trying to do everything. He, I mean, he's putting up money. And everything that the enemy is throwing at them is just kind of like sliding off. And they don't even know it. This is the amazing thing. There's so many things that have happened over your head that you didn't know about, but the mercy and the grace of God stopped things that could have happened. You ought to thank God when he just has been moving in your life and you didn't even know he was moving in your life. There was a bullet with your name on it. There was a car with your name on it and God moved it out of the way and you didn't even know. Numbers 24, verse 5 through 9. Let's read this. How lovely are your sins? So let me say this real quick. So Balaam now, instead of using all the divination, he just stops. He stops, he stops everything and he just closes his eyes and looks towards the wilderness and he sees Israel encamped down at the bottom of the mountain and he says, how lovely are your tents, O Jacob. 
your encampments, O Israel, like palm groves that stretch afar, like gardens beside a river, like aloes that the Lord has planted, like cedar trees beside the waters. He's just like, man, these people are beautiful. Listen to what he says. Water shall flow from his buckets and his seed shall be in many waters. What he's basically, what he's basically saying is they're going to have even many more descendants. A lot of times when you see the word waters in the Bible, it's meaning peoples. So they're going to have many peoples. His king, watch this. His king shall be higher than Agag and his kingdom shall be exalted. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We went from trying to get them to be cursed to now he's prophesying greatness over them. God brings him out of Egypt and is for him like the horns of a wild ox. Let's keep going. He shall eat up the nations, his adversaries, and shall break their bones in pieces and pierce them through with arrows. That's not what he paid for. <laughs> I, did, I didn't pay for that one. <laughs> he crouched and he laid down like a lion, like a lioness. Who will rouse him up? Blessed are those. Listen, listen. This is Balaam talking to them. He's saying, Blessed are those who bless you and cursed are those who curse you. Balak, Balak, the king just heard. That's kind of how I kind of put the story into my head. I kind of have to visualize it like, bro. Here's what I noticed. Like I said, the higher, the further up north they got, they went from opposite extremes, cursed them into hearing an actual blessing and a prophecy about who they are. And I find that to be amazing. Balaam gets angry. Verse, uh, verses 10 through 11, he says, he flew into a rage against Balaam. He angrily, angrily clapped his hands and shouted. Now, I got I to gotta do this because... No, no, like you, you, this. So this is how I see it, right? He's like, I called you to a curse enemy. <laughs> y'all, y'all know how people do that when they get mad. I said to you. <laughs> when you read the Bible, you gotta, you gotta kind of visualize it, you know. <laughs> But he said, I called you to curse my enemies. Instead, you've blessed them three times. Now get out of here. Watch this. Go back home. I promise to reward you richly, but the Lord has kept you from your reward. In other words, I was going to pay you all this money, but now I ain't paying you nothing. And watch, because if I had a part two of this, this series of this message, I would speak on Balaam's part because Balaam is a wicked prophet. And this is the only reason why he kept going back because the guy kept offering him money. And now the guy is taking back the money. So, you know, so, so watch this. As he took back the money, now Balaam actually shows, he actually shows Balak an even greater uh, prophecy that he probably would not have showed him before. And this is the ultimate prophecy that he begins to see. This is where we're going to land Today, Balak causes, Balak reneges on his promise of paying him. And in his anger towards Balak, Balaam releases the ultimate prophecy. 
Listen to this. This is Numbers 24. He says, I see him. But not here and now. I perceive him. But far in the distant future. Okay, go, go back to that title slide because I, I, I got it. Balaam, he, he's like, I was going to give you this money, but, but since you have blessed them and not did what I asked you to do, I ain't giving you nothing now. And Balaam says, I see him. See, we've been talking about an it, a blessing being upon a people. But then it goes from an it I see it. I see the blessing. And it goes into a him. I see him. Not now and not here, but in a distant future. I see a man. And this man is a star. You can pull that scripture verse up. He's a star. That's right. A star will rise out of this people. As, as, as Balaam was looking at this people, he said, I see a man coming out of them. And he's a star. Which means he's going to shine bright. He's going to be the light of the world. Not only is he a star, but he's a scepter. And a scepter speaks of a king. Not just a king who's royal, but a king with authority. Out of that nation will be one who will shine his light in the world and everyone could be saved. Out of this, out of this people, there will be one who will have a, a rod, a scepter that will rule all the nations. Watch, And he will crush the heads of your people. He will crush the heads of the Moab people, cracking the skulls of the people of Sheth. Edom will be taken over and Seir, its enemy, will be conquered while Israel marches on in triumph. A ruler will rise in Jacob who will destroy the survivors of Ur. <coughs> they were walking around this mountain. And do you know why? Do you know why God never told them Hey, there's a, a fight going on about you. You know why God never said anything to them about it? Because God had already, they're already victorious. Jesus, the, the word of God says, Jesus causes us to triumph in all things. They didn't even have to be worried about it. God was like, don't worry about it, I got this. And there are things over some of your lives that I'm here to pronounce that God is saying, don't worry about it, I got this. You think this thing has you scared? I got this. You think you're worried about how your bills are going to get paid? I got this. You think you're worried about how college tuition? I got this. You're worried about how the ministry is going to be funded? I got this. I got this. And the enemy will try to come in all kind of ways to put fear in your life. To make you question, is God going to do what he says he's going to do? Can God do what I believe that I'm seeing, that he's putting me? Can he actually do it? God got this. And many times, unlike Israel, we are walking in life feeling as if 
I have to make up for something that I don't have yet. And God is like, if you just keep walking and not worrying about your future, I got your future. You, your job is to just follow the cloud. And what, what God is going to do over the things that you don't know, he's going to bless. And he's going to fight these enemies that you have no idea that's fighting over you. I love that when Peter came to, when, when Jesus came to Peter, he said, Satan has been sifting you or been asking to sift you as we. But what did Jesus say? I already prayed for you. See, Jesus is at the right hand of God praying for you right now. That when the sons of God or the enemy comes up to accuse you, he's already praying for you. I don't know where all this, this message leads, but, but I, I can tell you this. There have been wars spoken about over your head that God has said they are actually blessed. There have been things that the enemy has tried to launch over your life that God has said they are actually blessed. There are things that you might be trying to accomplish and do and there's a fight going on before you get there and guess what? God has said you are already blessed. You might have, uh, sat, uh, uh, you might have sought out time to seek God and when God began to answer you, the answer came but there was a war over your head between the answer with Gabriel and the, and the principality over the area and guess what? You are already blessed. Somebody say, I'm already blessed. Balaam says, I see him in the distance. And the reason you are already blessed is because God has decided this even before you and I were born. This is Ephesians chapter one. It says, all praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and to be without fault in his eyes. Now that doesn't mean that you ain't gonna make a mistake. It's just how God's gonna look at you. When God sees you, when Balaam, when Balak saw Israel, he saw a blessing. But when Balaam saw Israel, he saw Jesus. He says, I see him. He saw Jesus. And, and because we are in Jesus, this is why we have the blessing. This is why God looks at us as holy. This is why he looks at us as purely in love. Why? Because we are in Christ. So when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. He doesn't necessarily see us. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.